Welcome to this month's installment of Brass Chats, brought to you by Monster Oil. What is this? 21 year? All right, so if you're watching Brass Chats, you've most likely heard the name of our Brass Chatter this month. He's been principal trombone of the New York Philharmonic for 31 and a half years. He's taught at Juilliard for nearly that long and is very widely considered to be one of the best trombonists in the world, if not the best, some would say maybe even in history. So, Joe Alessi, thank you very much for being here with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh man, it's a pleasure. Uh, playing in, in the orchestra, a lot of the, uh, the ridiculous sounds that you're able to make on the instrument with, with your colleagues, um, they all sound just so easy all the time at volumes that most of us can't even dream of playing. So if those sound so easy, I'm wondering for you, what's the most challenging part of your job? Well, for a, a trombone player, I tell people we're like place kickers, you know, or field goal kickers. So uh, if, if you're on the sidelines, like you know, one one of the great kickers in the uh, in the business, you're just sitting there for the whole time, and you you know you warm up a little bit, but uh, you have to get up and hit the game winning game winning field goal. So um, I think that's a little bit like what we do. We, as you know, the, the trombones sit around a lot, yeah, and um, then we have to come in on something like you know the Rhenish or Brahms first, or something like this, and uh, it's very exposed. So I would say the toughest part of the job is, is uh, you know, you have to be very calm and, and, you know, just execute these beautiful little corrals um, perfectly. And uh, uh, I think that's, at least for a trombonist. Yeah, what about I think for you, just for, for me? Because for you it just sounds so easy all the time. I, I want to know what's, like, hard for you. Yeah, well... Uh, you haven't, you know, been around enough, maybe at the, <laughs> at the Philharmonic. But anyway, um, well, at this point, you know, 31 years has been a long time. So, it, you know, to keep the job interesting, and I'm very lucky because I have great colleagues, and uh, it's such such a great brass section and, and the trombone section. It's just wonderful. But um, for me, it's just. You know, keeping it interesting every day, and and uh, you know, especially if you play a piece you've played a thousand times. Sure. You know, so I always love when a, a conductor comes in and asks something different. Yeah, it brings you know, new life into something. Absolutely. So I think it's a bit monotonous sometimes when you play Tchaikovsky Fifth for the yeah. 150th time. Sure. But uh, you know, so I, I would say that part of it's challenging, and then also. Um, you know, just the, uh, the sheer talent that's on the stage with you, and everybody's doing, you know, uh, their very best, yeah. and you know that's that's something I want to, you know, match live up when to. I it, live up to when I go on yeah. stage, and so that that's you know not every night you feel like doing that. Um, yep. But, you know, so you, that's, that's challenging, I think, too. Some of the mental game, just kind of getting motivated, staying it, hungry. Exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, it's, not, it's so easy to do on, at the Philharmonic. You just, all you have to do is listen to, you know, a three, three or four bars of something and you get, you get motivated. Why'd you pick trombone <clears throat> back as a kid? This is like a total gear shift. Well, yeah, I've told this story many times. I was a trumpet player. 
Right. Your first. dad was a trumpet player, Yes, right? he was. Yeah. yeah. And there was one, uh, I was started playing trumpet very early, and so I was getting quite good with technique. And by the time I was eight, after playing trumpet for three years, uh, I was already wanting to do harder solos. And, and, you know, I'd gone through a lot of the uh, basic books already. So the next step was to play, you know, more challenging things, and that meant, uh, uh, you know, higher range and so forth. Yeah. But at eight years old, I didn't have much of a range. You didn't have the faculties yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I just needed to develop. I was only eight. Yeah. But, <coughs> excuse me, my father said, my father could see I was getting frustrated and he said, uh, he brought home a trombone. And he just felt that that would fit me better. And they say trumpet players have egos. I mean, you want your kid to follow in your footsteps, and he put that aside, and he gave you a, a different instrument entirely. That's admirable. Well, That's pretty cool. I think he just knew what he was talking about uh, with the mouthpiece and so forth, and that yeah. seemed to fit my face better. So anyway, when I, I reluctantly uh, gave in and tried the trombone. Of course, the first note I played was a high B flat, and that's <laughs> a like a tuning player. note on a trumpet. Right. So uh, that convinced me somehow to play the trombone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's how it all went down. So you had two musical parents, right? And you, you have to forgive me if I butcher your your mother's uh, maiden name. It's Leone. 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 Yes. Okay. So she was an opera singer at, at the Met. She was a soprano. Yes. And I would love to hear some more about your musical home life growing up. I mean, so your dad was a professional trumpet player, and your mother Maria, she was an opera singer, like I said, with the Met. And so I'm wondering what elements of this background uh, made their way into your trombone playing or your musical approach overall. Yeah, and my brother was a trumpet player also. Right, so, right. So, yeah, we were all practicing at the same time. Uh, and the dog was barking, and, <laughs> and my mother was singing, and, you know, so it was kind of a noisy household. But, um, well, my mother had a beautiful voice. You can hear her on my website, and right. I have a, a, uh, a link dedicated to her, and she had a, an amazing voice, uh, and her, her phrasing and was world class. And... I guess uh, I must have picked up something from her, yeah. listening to her, her vocalize and sing, and um, and my dad was, you know, a real brass technician. He knew about armature, he knew about air, he knew about support. So, it, you know, if I had to ask any questions, I just go to them. Right. It's very sim simple. And, and you had both sides of it. You had a technical side and just a, a phrasing side, a really musical side. Yeah, and my. Yeah. My mother came in one day while I was uh, practicing, and I was having trouble with something and getting frustrated. And she said, "You know, if you just simply sing that phrase, and it'll it'll work." You know, and sure enough, I just used something different in my mind, uh, and I looked at the passage in a different way, and it came up just nice. You know, so yeah. I think uh, I tell students that too: put the horn down when you get frustrated and actually, you know, vocalize or, or, and conduct a little bit so that you can uh, free yourself from the instrument. That's so important when you practice. Is that something you still do? Yes, yes. If, if, you, if you're getting frustrated, you know, um, and something's not happening, you know, don't play, don't practice it anymore. Simply sing what you're trying to play and, and you know, just focus it on it and 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 uh, 
then pick up the instrument and try it again. Kind of get out of the technical side of it back into where it's yeah, supposed you, to be. Yeah, you have to so. use the your voice yeah. and your, you know, maybe some conducting to get the rhythm back into it. And uh, that, that really helps. Yeah. Um, so that's getting into your work ethic a little bit. I'm wondering, as a young player, like as a student, um, and even through to now, how did you get good? Talk about some of your, just your work ethic, your routines, um, your how long would you practice, that kind of stuff, I'm wondering. So even just as a student, let's start. Well, yeah, the, th the whole thing about how long you would pra practice, I'm always reluctant to talk about that because some people practice a long time and they do it wrong. You and know? they get nothing done, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's not the amount, it's how you do it. So. Um, I was pretty organized with the practice. I like to plan it ahead of time. Yeah. So one of my students just sent me his plan, which is great. He, you know, he did it on a clock. He said, you know, five minutes he's going to practice flex flexibility. Ten minutes he, he's going to practice Bordoni. Um, five minutes he'll practice soft playing. And so I, I sort of had a similar plan because, you know, you can practice something too much. And then yeah. you have no time to practice the rest of your material. How do you know? How can you suss <coughs> that out, what, what the right amount of time is? Because that's when I try to make a plan. Hopefully somebody else can relate to this, and I'm not just saying it for myself. But when I try to make a plan, lots of times the plan falls through once I'm in the practice room because I'll allot 10 minutes on something, and then by the time minute 9 comes around, I'm not even close to where I want to be. Yeah, well, that's okay. I think, I think if you have a timer, you know, it's yeah. good to do that. But you know the great thing about practicing, you, always, you can always come back the next day and do the same thing. Yeah. And I think that's important, the daily visits to that particular area. Um, so it's not something you need to, if you don't, there's no need to panic. You always can come back the next day and do it. Yeah. And by doing it on a daily, daily basis, uh, you can, you know, let's say over two weeks, you can practice something for two hours. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 actually better to practice something maybe in a shorter amount of time, yeah. step away from it, and then come back again later. Maybe it's maybe even later in the day. You know, hit it hard, rest, have your mind get off of that, and then come back later and try it again. What's your favorite kind of music to play? What really speaks to you? I mean, you've had the opportunity to play every kind of music there is. Pretty much. So well, I'm wondering what what just. I love to listen to great jazz trombone players. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can name name a, a ton of them, but um, <clears throat> I just if I if I had to redo my whole life, I would probably uh, be a jazz trombone player. And and you know, one of these days I'll surprise people. I'm I'm gonna show them that I can I can do it, um, <laughs> and and do it well. I'd love to hear about some breakthroughs in your playing. What, uh, what techniques or elements kind of gave you revelations along the way? What helped you improve the most? Wow, I would say, you know, a couple things. One is, is um, you know, doing regular physical activity, swimming, Interesting. you know, uh, doing a half a mile or a mile in the pool, yeah. and, then, and then going to a concert is... Uh, a, a revelation, I would say, you know, because you're really relaxed. But <coughs> and and uh, I would say also uh, the armature over time that there's not nearly as much tension in the armature as there used to be. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think when you're a young student, you know, you really set the corners, you know, really firmly, 
and uh, you probably over overuse things. And so, you know, I, I, my father said, to just think of the letter M. Yeah. And um, and just keep the have sort of a neutral feeling with your face. And so that that's helped tremendously. Um, uh, you know, when you're a young student, you t just tend to overuse everything, and you have. It's really over time you eliminate things that you don't need. You in the brass section at New York Phil play tremendously loud. Your hall kind of requires it, depending on where you're sitting. If you want the brass sound to get out there, you got to play. Got to play plenty loud. Um, there's a big difference between powerful and out of control, and I would experience that when I would go here in New York Phil and come back and say, I'm going to play it like that, and then I would sound terrible because it just becomes out of control. Um, so I'm wondering what tips you can pass along to make sure that loud playing is still musical and pleasant playing. I would say if you feel relaxed when you play loud, and louder dynamics, then it usually sounds good. So if, if you're uh, feeling strained anywhere, that's going to translate into uh, something out of control with the sound. Okay. So um, th that's 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 the best thing I could say about that. Um, and How do you? Gain I, I think I think when you you know when you listen to Phil Smith play, and you know I certainly miss him, but we of course we have the great Chris Martin, so it's yeah. it's wonderful. But um, anyway, Phil had a special way of playing that, that was very singing. And, and anything he did was always done in a singing manner. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really true. If you were going to sing something loud, you know, you'd want to do it. I'm not going to demonstrate that, of <laughs> course. But if you're going to sing something loud, you still, it still sounds beautiful. And you want it to sound meaningful. And, and, and you don't lose the message. Um, Whereas if somebody is not good at that, you know, or, or even a professional singer, they overdo it. They, it starts to sound like shouting, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so that's, that's the analogy there with the brass player. It can never sound like you're shouting, but it should sound like you're singing, and it should feel like you're singing as well. You've taught at the Juilliard School for over 30 years now. What's your favorite thing about teaching? Well, a couple things. One, it's so close to the... To the Philharmonic, right, convenient. <coughs> uh, but of course, that's not their main reason. The main reason why I like to teach there is um, that's a place where I can really, really let it all hang out and all my concepts and all my ideas. And I want the very best for all, every student that I, I teach there. And I, I really, when I walk in the building in the in Juilliard. I'm, I'm there to just give everything I can to every student and any, any knowledge that I can, you know, hand over, uh, that's the place I do it with the most uh, care, caring, in the most caring way. Of course, I teach other places and I give <laughs> my advice and do it caring, in a caring way also, but I see these same students every week. That's the yeah. only place I do that. Uh, I don't have any private students that I see every week. Right. You know, they come maybe once a month or something. But this is this is my job to you know to try to train them to be the best that they can. And I imagine it must be really gratifying when your advice takes. And yes. Yeah. I mean, I've I've you know every teacher's hope is you know to to go out and be successful. 
for their students. And, yeah. and um, you've placed a lot of students. I mean, you go on your website. Yeah, there's a there's a good amount, but yeah. we, there was just a gentleman uh, who just won the principal trombone in Vancouver, mm -hmm. Brian Windle, and uh, you know you could you can tell he was ready to win something because he, yeah. he he had worked hard. He he listened to what I said. And he did it in a way where he never questioned anything. Um, and he was very calm and quiet about it. And I like that, you know, but yeah. he was, excuse me, he was very, uh, very interested, of course. But he was able to teach himself after a while. And uh, so we've had lots of discussions about, uh, you know, how to uh, go on from here. Yeah. I would love to hear some interesting moments from your, uh, from your New York Phil career. Any, anything from, uh, from funny conductor stories to, I, I would love to hear who your favorite conductor that you played for at New York was. Oh, probably Leonard Bernstein. Yeah. What was so great about him He for just, you? he was, uh, well, he was just him. He was Leonard Bernstein, you know, yeah. the, the countless, recordings and, and, and TV shows and tours and uh, his way of explaining music, you know, from young people's concerts, um, his amazing composing skills. Uh, you know, he was just at the most famous conductor, I think, ever to live, almost. And uh, doing the Mahler Third with him and the Mahler Seventh and Mahler Two, that series, that was definitely a highlight of my career. And um, recently, it was doing Mahler Third with Bernard Heitink. Sure. And um, did they have you approach the solo in, in different ways, or did they kind of leave you to it? Some conductors really want wanted a certain speed, but I liked I liked Heitink's approach, and it, we it, we kind of matched on that. Yeah. And Bernstein, I mean, a lot of the conductors sort of follow you a bit, you know. But I tend to do it in a very, you know, predictable way. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, anyway, it was that that was certainly a great experience. Uh, another experience being in New York was uh, a non-philharmonic experience where uh, uh, London London Symphony wanted me to do a, a concert with them in Carnegie Hall, yeah. and I had just finished playing the Jim Pugh Concerto. And I got this call and say we need somebody to play. So playing with Pierre Boulez, sitting next to Morris Murphy, yeah, and the great brass section there um, was great, wonderful. And we played uh, Mahler Six. Sorry, we played Berg Three Pieces and the Mahler Six Symphony. Wow! On the same concert, and that was just just great. I think that's about time for the monster round. Are you familiar with the monster round, sir? The what? The monster round. <laughs> okay. All right. So the monster round is kind quick. of like a stream of consciousness thing. Yep. Very quick. Quick answers. answers. Yeah. One word, if possible, as quick as possible. You know, okay. no one's gonna. Okay. No one's gonna check your work. I'm so. Gonna, I'm gonna keep the time over here. Okay. Tom's gonna check your work. Okay. So this is the monster round with Joe Alessi. He's ready. I'm ready. Here we go. Who is or was the greatest trombonist who never played in an orchestra? Irby Green. What is the hardest solo you ever played with New York Phil? Melinda Wagner's trombone concerto. What's your favorite Olympic sport? 
downhill skiing. What's your biggest weakness on trombone? My tongue. Would you rather jump over 25 cars on a motorcycle or fly off a cliff in a wingsuit? Fly off a cliff in a wingsuit. Me too. What's your least favorite orchestral excerpt? To play or to listen to? Either. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah, to play. We'll to, do both. To play, uh, probably William Tell. And to listen to? Uh, to listen to, I would say Mala 3. Yeah, that one's kind of a haul, isn't it? <laughs> well, just people play it incorrectly all the time. Sure. Uh, what's the best book you read in the last year? Uh, Golf Digest. I like it. <laughs> what instrument would you play if you didn't have lips? Uh, the cello. Good one. Yeah. What's one method book that you simply could not go without? Uh, the Bordoni uh, Vocalese. What is, is, I mean, well, that's not a method book. Is that what you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, close enough, yeah. Okay. Uh, what is the number one mistake you hear from players at an audition? Playing too loud. Uh, does that hold true for trumpet as well, trumpet yes. audition? <laughs> he, Absolutely. He laughed at me, okay. What's your favorite non-trombone instrument to listen to? Probably sax, Bar baritone sax. Who is your favorite violinist of all time? Glenn Dictoro, our, our former concertmaster. In a word, what is the golden key to Bolero? One word. Rhythmic preparation. No, oh, that was two words. <laughs> it's all right. Rhythm. I like, we like guys that don't follow the rules okay. here. This is, this is good. Uh, what's the most difficult style of music to play? Maybe Latin. Latin? Yeah. If you could tell 16-year-old Joe Alessi one thing about trombone, what would it be? Sing more. If you could force Donald Trump to listen to one piece of music <laughs> that might change his outlook on everything, <laughs> what would it be? Silent Night. <laughs> I like it. What's your dream car? 911. Turbo. That's right. It's the same as Arturo, I think. Uh, all right. Name the members of your dream brass quintet comprised of you and four other members, but they're all deceased. So you got to pick from deceased players. Arnold Jacobs. Gunther Schuller. Yeah, probably Bud Herseth. Yeah. Fred Mills. Good one. Besides J.J. Johnson, who is the greatest jazz trombonist of all time? I'd say Trummy Young. If your story was to be told on the silver screen, in the movies, what actor would portray Joe Alessi? James Gandolfini. <laughs> I like it. If you could choose, if you were given the opportunity to choose, what would be the final piece that you play on your final concert with the New York Phil before you retire? I would say Bolero. From the world of sports or film or journalism or anything, name a person who people might be surprised to hear is one of your influences. I would say Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood? Yes. What about Clint Eastwood? <laughs> that's perfect. That's, we're going to cut. After you shake your head, that's, it's just going to cut to the next question. <laughs> what are the three most important characteristics of a perfect embouchure? I would say, uh, I would say 
correct positioning of the mouthpiece. So not too high, not too low. Um, not rolling in the upper lip. Excuse me, not rolling in the bot bottom lip. Okay. And the third would be um, to have a puckered armbrasure, not a an armbrasure that smiled too much. Sure. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me what? A 911 Turbo. <laughs> That's incorrect. <laughs> it was eight maids of milking. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Among conductors that you haven't yet played for, who would you most like to? Oh, Simon Rattle. Simon Rattle. Yeah. That's our monster round with Joe Alessi. Thank yeah. you very much for being with us today. Thank you.